Thank you for listening to the Resources for Integrated Care podcast series, Diabetes Care Assessment, Planning, and Management During COVID-19. This podcast was recorded as part of a live event held on May 5th, 2021. In this podcast, Vivian Cheng, Primary Care Clinical Pharmacy Specialist at Bowdoin Street Health Center, describes the clinical pharmacist role in diabetes care management during the COVID-19 public health emergency. So the Bowdoin Street Health Center was founded by community residents in 1972 and is located in Dorchester, Massachusetts, which is Boston's largest and most diverse neighborhood. Uh, We are licensed under the broader Beth Israel Deaconess Medical Center um, system, and we are also a member of the Beth Israel Leahy Health Performance Network, which is a clinically integrated network focused on population health and providing value-based cost-effective care. Uh, We are very proud to serve all patients regardless of insurance immigration status, and we have a diverse staff who speak many languages such as Spanish, Portuguese, Haitian Creole, and Cape Verdean Creole. And some of our services that we provide include but are not limited to adult and family medicine, mental health, pediatrics, um, and community health programs. Next slide, please. So a brief snapshot of our patient demographics that are available. A little over 15% of our adults um, have type 2 diabetes, and two-thirds of our patients reside locally in the Dorchester neighborhood. As you can see, over half of our patients are Black, and then 22% of those patients are actually Cape Verdean. So we have a very specific and unique patient population here. Additionally, The vast majority of our patients are adults over 18 years of age, and we have about 15% of our patients who are 65 years and older. Next slide, please. So at Bowdoin Street, we have um, a couple different diabetes initiatives, but primarily we are taking a population health approach to managing diabetes. The goal of population health is to try to proactively connect with patients who have uncontrolled diabetes and either engage them or re-engage them for patients who are overdue for follow-up. And another goal is to also identify ways to better optimize their diabetes care. And specific activities that help support these initiatives include staying up-to-date on certain evidence-based diabetes medicines. And so over the last five to 10 years, we've had a bit of an explosion in different diabetes medicines, both oral and injectable, available to us. And many of them confer additional benefits beyond helping to lower blood sugar, such as cardiovascular benefits, renal protective effects. Um, So we want to try to prioritize those as well. We also try to keep up to date on insurance formulary changes and costs for medicines. And we analyze uh, data from our electronic health record system, and we can generate patient-level reports to identify potential ways to improve patient diabetes medicines. And especially during COVID-19, having this proactive uh, approach and using the lens of population health management has been super important for helping to identify uh, our patients who have uncontrolled diabetes. Our patient population has been disproportionately impacted by the COVID-19 pandemic, um, and many patients who may still be hesitant to come into the clinic are, are at risk for continuing to go without care. Furthermore, this proactive outreach itself is critical because some patients may have challenges in getting to the office 
whether it's scheduling appointments via phone, transportation issues, and so having this proactive approach um, is, you know, we can still keep a handle on some of our patients who are, who are so important to us. All right, next slide, please. So at Bowdoin Street, um, we have complex care management teams, and so we take a multidisciplinary patient-centered approach, and so some of the members of those teams include myself as a clinical pharmacist, nurses, community health workers, behavioral health specialists, and others. Additionally, pre-COVID, we had um, programs such as diabetes group classes and the diabetes prevention program. We also have a wellness center located in the health center, which includes two exercise and activity rooms and a demonstration kitchen shown here in this picture. And so these resources were able to provide um, health education, uh, physical activity, and also a feeling of community and support for our members and patients. Next slide, please. And so to highlight a little bit more about what I do as a clinical pharmacist, um, so I have a collaborative practice agreement with the Bowdoin Street physicians, and when they refer patients to me, I'm able to help co-manage patients with diabetes, hypertension, and high cholesterol. And so I hold um, my own appointments with patients via telehealth and in person, where I adjust and optimize medicines uh, that align with both um, best practice guidelines, but also considering individual patient preferences and needs. Furthermore, I can help triage questions and concerns related to medication costs and formularies, order pertinent lab work that may be overdue, and also provide patient and provider education. Next slide, please. So to step back um, to talk about the impact that the COVID-19 pandemic has had on patients with diabetes, um, it's you know impacted them in a lot of different ways. The first being with gym closures, and especially over the winter, there's been less physical activity, which led to which can lead to weight gain and worse blood sugar control. Um, there have been uh, less access to healthy foods, both due to um, financial stressors and potentially reduced access to grocery stores. Those financial stressors can also prevent people from accessing needs like medications, diabetes testing supplies. Uh, doctor's visit co-pays, transportation to clinics. Uh, additionally, fears and hesitancy about COVID-19 exposure um, can result in less people wanting to come into the health center for appointments. And additionally, we've seen a lot of different offices have either closures or restricted in-person hours as well, which can reduce access. Furthermore, um, during the pandemic, we've seen the rise of technology and telehealth. However, many patients uh, have either lack of access to certain technologies or have barriers to using the technology we can impact their ability to engage in telehealth services. And finally, we, we also have to be mindful of the impact of the pandemic on mental health. So the isolation, the lack of social connections, um, and add on the stress of managing chronic diseases like diabetes, it can all take a toll. Next slide, please. So at Bowdoin Street, um, for some supports for people who have diabetes, um, first is conducting visits through telehealth. Uh, we primarily conduct most of our telehealth via phone at this time, but we are rolling out um, virtual platforms to engage in video visits. We also perform telemonitoring of home blood sugars and blood pressures. Um, and right now, this is just you know having patients either check their sugars or blood pressures on the phone while in the telehealth appointment or having them go through their machines to report back numbers. 
Additionally, we've been providing free blood pressure machines for patients with uncontrolled hypertension who may not be able to afford one on their own. Um, and then to work around um, following up on lab appointments for blood work, uh, we've been scheduling patients for lab uh, slots instead of uh, having walk-up to um, follow social distancing um, recommendations. Furthermore, we have weekly exercise classes via uh, Zoom. And so we have HIIT training classes, Zumba, and Cardio Blast to help provide uh, members and patients some um, structured activity. Uh, in the fall, we also hosted a virtual wellness fair called Healthy at Home, where we cover topics such as better understanding the COVID-19 pandemic, uh, better understanding how to check their sugars and blood pressures at home, and some nutrition tips and tricks. At Bowdoin Street, we are also very fortunate to have a community health worker uh, who specializes in nutrition and food access. And so she helps connect our members to SNAP benefits, um, our fresh truck, and enrolling patients in um, medically tailored meal uh, delivery programs if they're eligible. Next slide, please. And so next, I wanted to spend some time talking about considerations for the clinical management of diabetes that I think are particularly important. And so first, as a background as a pharmacist, my specialty area is in medications. And um, per the 2021 American Diabetes Association guidelines, we should be prioritizing medicines that confer those additional benefits that I mentioned earlier, the cardiovascular and renal protective effects. Those should be prioritized first because they provide um, those additional benefits beyond just lowering sugar. Additionally, we also have to consider patient-specific factors. And so looking at patients' past medical history, for example, if someone has chronic kidney disease or a history of a heart attack, that may push me to use a certain medication over the other. I also have to think about um, dexterity for patients' ability to check their sugar or administer insulin. Um, if they have visual impairment or have really bad arthritis, that may impact um, my recommendations for how frequently they should test their sugars or if we can even use insulin at all. And then finally, uh, we also have to take into consideration um, the patient's preferred language, literacy, and health literacy levels. Uh, for example, patients who have low literacy and health literacy, using patient handouts with written information may not be as valuable for them. Uh, next, this may seem obvious, but I think it is so important to ask questions and confirm understanding rather than make assumptions. And so uh, if you are able, it's important to double check refill histories um, to, to confirm if perhaps medication non-adherence is an issue. We also want to ask open-ended questions and avoid leading questions. And so asking questions like, in the last two to three weeks, how many times did you maybe forget to take your medicine? You know, it forces the patient to give us a number. And avoid leading questions such as, you don't forget to take your medicine, do you? Which sets up the patient for the desired answer, not necessarily the truthful answer. And finally, it's so important to use teach-back technique to verify patient comprehension. There have been many instances where I teach patients how to use a glucometer or an injectable medication, and once I put the device in their hands, they don't know where to start. We also need to have shared decision-making discussions with patients when we're setting their goals and choosing medications. You know, I may think that a certain medicine that's an injection is the best medicine for a patient, but if they are adamant and refuse injections, then we have to shift and pivot. And finally, it's extra important, especially during the COVID-19 pandemic, to be flexible and empathetic. Remember, we have to treat the patient. We are not treating the A1C. We are not treating the blood pressure. We are treating the patient as a whole. 
Next question, please. Oh, next slide, please. And then finally, um, a couple considerations for patients who may be blind or visually impaired um, or deaf or hard of hearing. This may require some more creative workarounds, such as getting permission to work with a family member or visiting nurse to track home blood sugar and blood pressure readings. I think at this point, it's also important to simplify um, medication regimens and use medicines with a lower risk for causing hypoglycemia. And then we can also be a little bit more creative with our glucose monitors as well. Uh, there are monitors that can um, verbally read out the sugar reading for those who may be visually, who have visual impairment. And then if possible, you can also consider using continuous glucose monitors uh, to reduce need for frequent uh, finger sticks. However, insurance coverage can be tricky for continuous glucose monitors, and they can also present as um, a technological difficulty for certain patients as well. Next slide, please. So I wanted to next highlight a couple cases uh, from Bowdoin Street. So first is Mr. M. He is a 56-year-old Indian male, and his last A1C was 10.3% back in February. And he also has a strong personal and family history of cardiovascular disease. And due to these comorbidities, um, he was fearful about going back into the office, um, you know, due to the risk for coronavirus exposure. Uh, but we were able to re-engage Mr. M via telehealth follow-up, and we actually learned he was only checking his sugars when he felt unwell. He wasn't checking them every day or necessarily even every week. And then there was also some sporadic medication adherence because the medicine brand he was prescribed for his diabetes, it wasn't covered by his insurance, and so it was extremely expensive. So he was only picking it up occasionally. Uh, but through these frequent telehealth check-ins, we were able to provide education on the importance of checking his sugars daily, importance of improving his diet and adding in more exercise, and we also adjusted his medication um, to a formulary agent from his insurance to help improve adherence. And after all of that, we actually were able to improve his sugar control. His A1C improved by about two percentage points as of March 2021. Next slide, please. And next, and our final case example is Mrs. B. She is a 65-year-old Cape Verdean woman who lives by herself about an hour away from the clinic, so it can be difficult for her to travel to doctor's visits. Uh, her last A1C was around 10.9% in July of 2020, and she cannot read or speak English, um, and she also had a lot of difficulty checking her sugars. First, she had difficulty using the device, and she also didn't quite understand what the numbers meant when she did check her sugars. She also struggled with taking her medications as prescribed, uh, using the injection medicine that she was prescribed, it was a daily injection where she had to select the dose, and she just also didn't like doing injections every single day, which led to um, some missed doses. And so we engaged Mrs. B through both telehealth and in-person visits using an interpreter. We were also able to connect with her daughter with the patient's permission, who was able to help provide a little bit more support in helping her mom um, stay on top of taking her medication daily and check and understand her sugar readings. We also were able to enroll this patient in our uh, medication adherence packaging service, which is a monthly delivery of weekly um, adherence packages to help simplify her regimen a bit. And we also switched her from a daily injection to a once-weekly injection where the device was much easier to use. She didn't have to select a dose, and it was only once a week. And so with all of that, we were able to improve her fasting blood sugars down to around 140 milligrams per deciliter, which is about an estimated A&C of around 6.5%. So we are very pleased with her progress. Next slide, please. 
And so moving forward, as we hopefully transition into a post-pandemic world, um, some of our plans for diabetes care management include reinstituting in-person diabetes group classes and nutrition classes. Uh, we will continue to offer um, telehealth options because telehealth looks like, you know, it's here to stay. It's becoming more popular and integrated. And this can be very convenient for a lot of patients who maybe have transportation difficulties to get to their office. We can continue to follow up on their blood sugars and blood pressures um, from afar. We're also very excited in that um, there are plans to build an on-site clinic pharmacy on the first floor, which will hopefully make it easier for a lot of our patients to get their medicines because currently our clinic is located in a bit of a pharmacy desert. Thank you for listening. This podcast is presented by the Lewin Group and is supported through the Medicare-Medicaid Coordination Office at the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services. MMCO is dedicated to helping beneficiaries enrolled in Medicare and Medicaid have access to seamless, high-quality health care that includes the full range of covered services in both programs. To support providers in their efforts to deliver more integrated, coordinated care, MMCO is developing technical assistance and actionable tools based on successful innovations and care models. To learn more about current efforts and resources, please visit our website or follow us on Twitter for more details. Our Twitter handle is at integrate underscore care. You can also find resources for integrated care on LinkedIn to stay up to date with our recent products and technical assistance.